Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning to those watching online and those on site. So good to see your faces this morning. Uh, you know, this is kind of a strategic week, man. Students are preparing to go back to school. Teachers are preparing to go back. Some of you people are homeschooling. So how many of you guys think we should pray for our students, our teachers? Some of you all have turned into teachers during this season. And let's just pray that God just protection over our teachers, protection over our kids, and just wisdom as we move forward. Can we do that, Lord? I thank you, Lord, for, for what you're doing and the opportunities that you've given us during this time. And I pray specifically, Lord, over our teachers, over the students. I pray health and safety, continue to give them wisdom and protocol. And Lord, I, I also pray for the mom that's becoming a teacher for the first time and she's homeschooling, or the dad, Lord, I pray that you'd give them wisdom, direction, confidence, breathe on them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been told something was going to happen and you didn't believe it? Or maybe you did believe it and you thought, you know, what they're told, what they tell me, it's not going to affect me. I can't tell you how many times I've heard severe storm warning was coming my way. I've heard the sirens go off, but I had never seen a tornado. See, I grew up in northern New Mexico in the foot of the Rocky Mountains, so the Rockies would always break up every windstorm. For me, a tornado was a myth. I never seen one. Several years ago, I was at my house, and I heard the same story for like a hundredth time. A tornado's coming my way, man, take shelter, sirens were going off, and I did, I did what I do every single time. Guess what I do when I hear a tornado warning? Nothing. And that night, a friend of mine from out of town was attending a church conference at the church where I was youth pastor at, and... Uh, and he wanted to come over after the conference to catch up and see how we, was do, how we were doing. And that night, he called me and said, Benito, is it still safe for us to come over? Sirens are going off. They're telling us to take shelter. And I told him, bro, don't be a little, don't be afraid. I've heard those sirens go off many times. Nothing has ever happened. So he came over. We're hanging out. We're, man, playing some games, thinking nothing that a tornado would actually hit my neighborhood. Then all of a sudden... The electricity goes off. Guess what I did? Nothing. How many times has the electricity gone off in life? You shouldn't be afraid if the electricity goes off. And we're just playing games. And you know, Jennifer, she has these scented candles. How many other husbands have wives with scented candles? Cinnamon, pumpkin spice. You're like, oh, just give me a normal candle. But she brought in all these scented candles out. And we had light for a moment. And then all of a sudden as we're talking, I heard something I never heard before. A crazy noise, a rumbling. It was like a locomotive was coming my way. And at that moment, you know what I did? I realized a tornado was coming my way. So I ran into the bathroom, which was the only room that didn't have any windows. And I locked the door, and I realized, you know, I have a wife and kids. I should probably go get them. So I go back after running to the bathroom. I get my wife and kids. We invite everybody into the bathroom. Thank God nobody had used it in a while. All we smelt was punk and spice and there we are we're praying we're repenting we're asking God to forgive us I'm like Lord I'm sorry for eating that grape without paying for it Lord I repent like you're getting rid of all of your secret sins right asking getting getting right with God the tornado you could hear the tornado ravage the neighborhood and as I looked out I saw that it had hit my backyard 
my fence was gone. My tree had been pulled up by the root. And I remember getting up early that next morning and saying, man, we were lucky. All we lost was our fence and our tree. I went and I saw my neighbor's roofs were off. Entire par partial, partial places of homes were gone. And all of a sudden, I realized it was real. All the warnings, and I didn't actually think a tornado would hit my yard, my neighborhood, and it hit my backyard. And that's the setting for our story this morning. For hundreds of, hundreds of years, there was prophecies that there was a coming Messiah. Everyone had heard that there would be a Messiah, but no one had believed it. It had been 400 years. It was the intertestamental time from Malachi to Matthew. Not a word of God had been spoken in 400 years. People had gotten numb. People were complacent. They had no longer believed that Christ would fulfill his promise. People were going along with their lives thinking the Messiah was just a fairy tale. But there was one lady who lived every day with her eyes wide open, looking forward to the promise the prophets had foretold years ago. And her name is Anna. She's one of my favorite Bible characters. Yet her story is untold. In all my years of church, I've never heard a sermon on Anna or a lesson on Anna. But her story is powerful. It has great lessons for us. Her story is a sharp contrast from last week's story of Eutychus who fell asleep in church. Last week, we saw the sleepy negligence of Eutychus. This week, we're going to see the wide awake vigilance of Anna. And the title of my message this morning is Eyes Wide Open. I want my eyes to be open. and I want to see everything that God has for me, don't you? I want to see the victory that he promised. So let's pray before we get into God's word. Lord, just say this. Put your hands on your eyes. Say, Lord... Open my eyes to see everything you have for me. Your word declares, Lord God, that we're spiritually blind. Lord, the areas, the, the, the blind spots, Lord, say, open up in my life. May I follow you and may I see your glory. Amen. Anna's story is found in three short, power-packed verses in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 38. Let me read it to you this morning. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And, when she, and then she was a widow until 84. She, but look at this. She, I want you to underline this, circle, highlight, smiley face. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, underline those words, fasting and praying. Let me tell you about a little bit of Anna. About Anna. Anna's life wasn't easy. Her life was shattered after seven years of marriage as a newlywed. She became a widow. And during biblical times, to be a widow was about the equivalent of a homeless person. It was a life of poverty. You had no income. Women at that time, because the culture was different, much different time, were considered pieces of property. So she had no husband. She had nobody to advocate for her, no one to provide for her. And I'm not sh and I am absolutely sure that this wasn't the life that she hoped. She probably dreamed of having a family, growing old, and, man, and having a husband that they'd fall in love with. But nothing went as hope for Anna. And for us, let's be honest, in 2020, nothing has turned out like we've hoped. And no amount of preparation could prepare us for what we've seen so far. It's kind of like this meme right here. I like this meme. This is how I feel for 2020. I had all these aspirations for 2020, and it's, it's like this, right? I'm protected. I got it. But it hits the one spot you weren't preparing for it, the bad luck that's coming in. Man, let's, vacations have been canceled. Here, here are my travel expectations for 2020. 
And here's my current reality. How many guys like this? I thought I was going to be in the beach, but I'm seeing dishes right now. This year has been tough. Jobs have been lost. People have lost health and loved ones. Man, it has been extremely hard. Plans and dreams have gone up in smoke. If I'm honest for you, 2020 has been a year that we in the Frescas family have circled for years. Jennifer was going to turn, uh, probably not say, but it's a very remarkable number. It's an awesome number where life is barely starting. We were starting the celebration of 20 years of marriage. Our daughter was graduating. We had so many, like, we're gonna, we had all these plans. That we had a family vacation that our family is finally going to go on. We were going to go on a cruise. They were going to come by for Alana's I mean, graduation. We had all these plans, and it has all gone up in smoke. Not only that, Jennifer had a severe illness with her shoulder during the time that we were in uh, quarantine. No doctors would see her. It was horrible. And of all things, right when things were opening up in July, we got COVID-19 and we lost another month. Like the only thing that has gone as planned was the one thing that I was dreading for 18 years. Alana's going off to college this week. Oh, Lord, pray for me. My allergies are going to be like, that's the one thing I didn't want to happen. And it's happening. But when things don't go as we hope, this is what, it's easy to get mad at God. It's easy to lose faith. Because in reality, we had hope in all the wrong things rather than the only thing that was worth putting our hope in, and that's God. Sometimes we use God as a means to an end when God is everything we ever need. And all my disappointments that I've really checked in my heart came because of misplaced hope. And this morning, I want to put your hope on the right thing again. I want to refocus you on something that we can never lose our hope on. Because Anna's life teaches us how to live above the circumstances and the situations, regardless of how difficult they are that we face in life. Her example teaches us to do three things. Let me put this down. You're writing notes. First thing is to put your eyes on God daily. To put aside faulty attitudes and excuses daily. And to practice spiritual disciplines daily. Notice the operative word there is daily. But I'm going to start by the first one. Just like Anna, here's my first challenge to you. Put your eyes on God daily. Freedom Church, what are your eyes on this morning? We can put our eyes on our problems, on the circumstances, and the wreckage of life. Or we can put our eyes on Jesus. Corinthian Boom said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest. I want to pastor you for a while, Freedom Church. Why are you so worried, child of God? You know the Spirit of God lives inside of you? Do you not see how great your God is? Do you really think he would bring you this far to let you down? No way. Let me tell you, our God is faithful. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. He's a way maker. He's the uncreated creator of all the earth. He creates all things, governs all things, can do all things. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And let me tell you, Anna never took her eyes off her God. Look at verse 37. She never left the temple. The writer tells us she had a continual gaze on God. And she worshiped. And the writer tells us again, night and day, fasting and praying. When things were out of control, she turned her eyes onto the God who is in absolute control. 
some of you this morning, you need to step back and you need to refocus and see how big your God is. For Anna, her God was bigger than her trials and tribulations. Her God was bigger than her circumstances and situation. Her God was bigger than her sin and condemnation. See, there are two types of people in the world. People who put their eyes on their problems and complain and feel sorry for themselves. And people who put their eyes on God and they're overcome with the greatness and the goodness of God. And they see God even in the wreckage of life. I want you to watch this Facebook video that I saw just yesterday that, man, is, just points this out perfectly. Check out the screens. God is good. God is good. I know nobody else in there. You got help that Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Some of us need to be a little bit like that lady. We're so caught up with the wreckage. We're so caught up with all that's happening. We're so consumed with all that's going on. But if we would look back and we would open our eyes and we say, oh, God, you grab me out of this mess. God, you are so faithful. God, you are bigger than anything I'm facing right now. Freedom Church, your God is big. What are your eyes on this morning? Are your eyes on the wreckage of what's going on in our country? Or are our eyes on our God, who's the recreator of everything? And not only did Anna put her eyes on God daily, here's what she did. She put aside her faulty attitudes and excuses daily. She didn't allow bitterness to get in her spirit. She didn't feel sorry for herself because of what was going on. She didn't make excuses. This is what Anna did every day. She got up, the scripture says, and she worshiped and she prayed. She had every reason to give up on the promise of seeing the promised Messiah. During those times, the inner court of the temple was divided into two sections, the women's court and the court of Israel. In the women's court, both Jewish men and, 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 uh, and women could worship. But in the inner court, only Jew. Both, both men and women could worship in the women's court, but only men could worship in the inner court. Only they could truly get close to God because here's the thing for Anna. She wasn't the right gender to truly get close to God. She wasn't the right gender to worship according to the religion's customs of her day. But that didn't stop her. She didn't make any excuses. Luke tells us that she prayed. For 60 years, never giving up, never praying, going to the temple, thinking and looking. Look, there's all these obstacles. There's all these reasons I could never get there. But I don't care. My God is a God who can supersede every obstacle that's in front of me. See, one of the things that you know, if you know me, is I love sports. And I'm not, not being the greatest athlete, but I don't give up. See, my favorite sport is basketball. But I'm not tall enough to play basketball. I was all right in football, but I was a little too small and a little too short. But there's one sport that I really got involved in. It was wrestling. Because in wrestling, there's no excuses. You can't go up against somebody that's bigger than you, smaller than you. You can't say, oh, the, they didn't block for me. They didn't pass me the ball. Like, oh, the referee kind of too fast. That's why he pinned me. No, it's, it's all you in wrestling. So I picked up wrestling. And here's the thing about wrestling. Wrestling is all about not giving up. It's all about like my coach says, son, you need to show some heart out there. I need to see some heart. My coach would always tell me, the wrestler who is the best technician wins the first period. 
the wrestler who's the best in the best shape wins the second period. But Coach McCurney would say, but the wrestler who has the most heart wins the third period in the match. And he would slap us upside the head. Show me some heart. Several years ago in Ohio, there was a wrestler by the name of Dustin Carter. His record was 41 and 3, and he qualified for the Ohio State Tournament. It's one of the most competitive wrestling tournaments in the entire country. He won his first match, and he lost his second. But after losing his second match, he received a standing ovation from the crowd. Why? See, when Dustin was a little boy, he contracted a rare blood disease. He lost both his legs and his arms up to his elbows. I want you to check out this video of Dustin Carter. What's your excuse, right? What's your excuse? I want to challenge you like Dustin and Anna. We need a spirit right now more than ever. It says, I will not give up. I will not let up. I will not shut up until God shows up. Many Christians today, they give up way too easy. Let me tell you, the faith walk is going to be hard. Paul says it's a fight. Paul said this in Galatians that don't grow weary in well-doing. He says, man, why? Because you're going to grow weary. He wouldn't write it like that if it wasn't going to be. But he says, but in due time, he says, you will reap a reward. See, my, growing up, my dad would always tell me when I went to school, he says, son, somebody pushes you, push him back. Might not be politically correct. That's what he told me. That's what I tell my son, too. <laughs> you know, if I had one, I'd tell my girls, no, somebody hits you, you call daddy, and he's going to do all the pushing. I don't care if I go to, go to hospital. I'll do prison ministry if I have to. Those are my girls, right? There's people to reach in the prisons. And if somebody pushes you, you push them back. And I think there's a spiritual dynamic to the when life pushes you, you need to push back. But, but not with physical means, but spiritual means. Push is an acrostic that means this. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. And this is what Anna did. She prayed and she pushed back against all the adversity for 60 years. See, persistence is going to be the key in your walk with God. Persistence, child of God, especially during this season, is going to keep, be the key. This is why Jesus says when it comes to prayer, you got to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. Let me tell you, don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the dream that God has put on your heart. Don't give up on your walk with God. Don't give up on your purpose. you got to learn to push through the stress, push through the anxiety, push through the adversity in your marriage, push through the fear, push through the unknown, push through all the stuff and walk into what God has for you. You got to learn to push. Pray until something happens. For 60 years, Anna stayed committed to pushing to get a hold of the promise of God. How many of you guys can stay committed for that long? How do you do it? 
The secret is found really in verse 37. She never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night. She fasted and she prayed. See, Anna was consistently worshiping, fasting, and praying. This is the third thing we learned from the life of Anna. She practiced spiritual disciplines daily. Let me tell you, we don't drift to discipline or Christ-centered attitudes. Like I say, we are a car that is desperately out of alignment. Like, if I'm not following God, I'm constantly pulling to the flesh. How many of you guys are with me? You all are. We drift towards complacency. We drift towards apathy. We drift towards self-centered attitudes and selfishness. But this is what spiritual disciplines do. They lay the tracks for us to once again walk towards God. Dallas Wheeler, the great theologian, said this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. And what I'm saying is we need to put action into our faith every day. These are four spiritual disciplines that every Christian should practice every day. First thing you should practice every day is God time. You will never know God unless you take time to personally talk to him. And let him talk to you through his word and listen to his Holy Spirit. See, if you don't give God an opportunity to move in your life by taking some time to meet with him, he never will and he never can. Because he can't and won't meet you unless you make space for him. The second thing that you need every day is you need gospel time. This is important. Not only do we need God time, but it's need, it needs to be seasoned with the gospel. You need to reflect on the gospel every day. See, this is what the gospel does. It invites you to return over and over to the reality that God doesn't love you because of your best moments. He loves you in your worst moments. Romans 5.8 says that while I was still a sinner, Christ demonstrated his love for me on the cross. Here's the thing. We want to come to God based on our best days, our good works, and our finest moments. But the grace of God tells us God saves us not because of us, but in spite of us. The gospel does two things every day. It allows you first to experience the grace of God every day. How many of you guys need to experience God's grace every day? You need to. His mercies are brand new every morning. And every morning, every morning, you got to put the day behind you and say, God, here's a brand new day to follow you. And the second thing you need to do with gospel time is you need to give that same grace towards others. You need to give it towards your wife. You need to give it towards your husband. You need to give it towards your kids. You need to give it towards your coworker that's ticking you off. You need to give it towards your neighbor. How many of you guys know gospel time? It feels good when we're getting the grace, but it's a lot harder when we got to give the grace too. The third thing is you need giving time. This is so important. This is one thing the church is missing right now. Let me tell you, you got to give yourself away to others and to God. Look what Luke says about Anna. She was a prophet. She wasn't just focused on herself and her situation. She wasn't just praying about what was going on in her life. She wasn't saying, poor me. No, she was prophesying to people. She was encouraging people. She was using the gifts that God had placed inside of her. You need to give yourself and your gifts towards others. You were created for a purpose. And if you don't walk out of this purpose, you will never find the happiness that God has for you. If we need something, we need people to give themselves to God and others again. There's work to be done, Freedom Church. And God has given you gifts to rise up in this time to bring glory to our God. Even in difficulty, even in challenges, even in losing your husband, even in the coronavirus, we can still prophesy the word of God and deliver the word of God to others. And the fourth thing that we need is we need gratitude time. This is so important. 
When was the last time you just looked up to the heavens and with your voice high, you said, thank you, God. Should be the first thing that we do. It's not always the first thing that we do. And sometimes we should just thank God for things we take for granted. Thank God for your sight, your hearing, your family, your house. Freedom Church. A grateful attitude will impact the entire outlook you have on life. A couple weeks ago, I was reading a biography with letters from Lillian Thrasher. She was an incredible missionary to Egypt. And they called her the mother of the Nile. She went down to Egypt, and she went by herself. She faced tremendous uh, difficulties, but she saw somebody throwing their baby into the Nile and worship to the Nile. And she stopped that and she opened up her house and she opened up all these orphanages and God used her profoundly. And she's an incredible person. And she said that there was a time in her life where she was sick for two months with rheumatic fever, where she could not move. She was immobile. And she said this, this was the thing about rheumatic fever, that it was the best lesson that she ever had in life. Let me read you what she said. This is a letter that she wrote. It says, many times before I came, it became ill, I would complain of all the work I had to do and everything that was bothering me. She says, now that I'm back to normal and health is once again in my body, no matter how much I dislike what I'm doing or how much a certain thing makes me feel tired, I thank God that he gives me the strength I need to to finish the task. Can I tell you this? I would tell you that probably... The majority of your complaining is about blessings that God has given you. I know when I had COVID-19, there was about three days where things were rough. Like, I couldn't even get up. And in that moment, I'm like, Lord, I'm just thankful I have strength. Lord, if I I ever get a chance to preach another sermon, I got lungs in my, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful to study. I look at all these things that sometimes I think are, that's actually blessings that we have. And what we need to do is we need to re-examine our lives and put gratitude back in our lives and see how God will flip our attitudes. And Anna's spiritual disciplines, I want you to see this. For 60 years, they set the tone for our life. She prayed every day. She fasted. She worshiped. She prophesied. Here's the reality. Can we be honest? How many days did she get up and she didn't feel like it? She was, I'm not feeling it. Have you ever been there? I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like seeking. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like going to church this morning. I don't, I'm not feeling it. Tim Keller says this, that the mark of Christian maturity is when somebody follows God in his call and does something without his sense of, without a sense of his presence and his love. That for you to, look, look at the story of Hannah. Here's the problem with America today. Here's the problem with most Christians. We have what my Bible college professor, Dr. McCorkle, would say we're sensuous Christians. We follow God as long as we're feeling it, man. I felt worship today. That's good. I feel like praying today. I feel like fasting this week. But when we don't, yeah, who cares? Let me tell you, God's word is bigger than our feelings. And his word calls us to die daily, to keep on moving. You you, you think, look at the life of Paul. You think Paul felt like going to prison? You You think he felt like preaching and writing in the midst of being chained and going through difficulties? But the word of God rose above his feelings. And then every day, practicing spiritual disciplines in spite of her feelings. Look what it. Every day, verse 38, she was in the temple praying. I want you to break, Anna, 60 years in the temple. Go back with me. She wakes up like she does every day. 
She'd been doing this for 60 years, 21,120 days. But this day was not another day. She's about to learn that God does ordinary, extraordinary miracles in mundane, ordinary moments. And what seems like another day, what seems like just another day where she's getting up and fasting and praying and prophesying, and this, another day, one of her 21,121 days now, a young couple walks into the temple, and they have a baby, and his name is Jesus. For 400 years, nobody had prophesied. For 400 years, the word of God had not been spoken in the temple. And one day, just one day, he walks in. And I like verse 38, right? Circle, underline, highlight, smiley face, make this one of your bumper stickers. I love this passage. Coming up at them. At that very moment, that's the one, circle, underline, highlight. At that very moment, God directs your steps. He knows where you're at. He'll put you in the right place at the right time if you just trust him. At that very moment when they were dedicating Jesus, Simeon was, she gave thanks to God. See, what's happening, you read throughout the story, is the prophet Simeon announces to Mary and Joseph that this is the promise of Israel. This is the consolation of Israel, that the rising of many will come in his name. And I want you to picture this. At that very moment, Jesus is in the temple. The prophet Simeon was speaking the word of God. For 400 years, the word of God has not been spoken in the temple. It's been silent. It's called the silent years. And when the word of God once again is in the temple proclaiming the word of God, guess who sees it? Anna. And you got to understand the temple was a massive building with thousands of people walking around at any given time. And yet at that very moment, when the blessing was given over Jesus, she walked. God directed this elderly lady to a place where she could see the promised Messiah. She had been waiting her entire life for this moment. Can you imagine what she felt after decades of waiting and praying? The Messiah is on the temple. He is in the earth, and it's in her generation. Man, this is what Abraham wanted to see. This is what the prophets wanted to see. Moses wanted to see this. David dreamed of this. And Anna, with her own eyes, for the first time in 400 years, she sees that God is in the temple. And his plan for salvation is about to be unfolded. And what's absolutely mind-blowing. It should be a great warning to us. What's fascinating about this passage is nobody knew that the Messiah was in the temple. Other than Mary, Joseph, Anna, and Simeon. Everybody was asleep. A nation was so caught up with the worries of this world. That everything that they had hoped and planned for, the very essence of their faith, was about to be unfolded right in front of their eyes. And they missed it thousands of people passed him by yet they didn't see him for who he was they missed the moment that Jesus was right in front of them as I prepared this message I felt the Holy Spirit tell me my people are living with their eyes shut challenge them to open their eyes wide open challenge them to wake up See, underneath your chair, if you just reach underneath it, a couple chairs underneath you, is a sleeping mask. So go ahead and get that. It's a gift. You can sleep whenever you want. If it's not in service, please. And I want you to take it home. This one, it's, one of, it's kind of a prop. Don't worry. It's, been, it's still in the package. We haven't touched it. It should be, uh, should be good. 
Let me tell you. During this time, the enemy is trying to put a sleeping mask over our eyes. He wants us to be complacent and comfortable. He wants us to be so caught up with the cares of this world that we're blindfolded to what God wants to do in our lives and what God wants to do in the world. And what this mask is, I want you to put it somewhere that you see it every day when you wake up, maybe in your sock drawer, I don't know, wherever you want to put it. And I want it to remind you to wake up and live with your eyes wide open. To live like Anna, to follow the instructions of Paul in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul says this, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open. And I want you to see, because if we ever get a glimpse of Jesus, it'll change everything about us. Watch this. I want you to see how it impacts Anna's life, verse 38. When she saw him, she gave thanks to God and she spoke about the child to all, to everyone around her who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. For the rest of her life, Anna did two things. She worshiped God and she told others about Jesus. And that's what life is all about. To know God and to make him known. To love God and to love people. That's why I can always tell someone who is fully aware of what God's doing, who has their eyes wide open. Because that person doesn't need a worship band. They don't need a song. They don't need a sermon. They don't need somebody to pump them up. All they need is a flashback. All they need is a glimpse of God. And you'll see their hands raise up. You'll say, this is what God did in my life. I want to tell you who my God is. My question is, is there anybody this morning who wants to see Jesus? She would not stop worshiping God and telling others about him because if your gospel isn't touching others i would say it hasn't touched you when you've seen him when you've seen his glory when you've seen his majesty there's only two responses love you what do you want me to do Isaiah, holy, 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 couldn't stop saying, calm down, you said it enough times, Isaiah. What do you want me to do? Go. Peter in the boat. Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips, you are holy. You fisher of men. See, the Holy Spirit wants to open our eyes to see Jesus. He wants to fill us with passion, and he wants to fill us with boldness, those two things. That's what I felt the Lord say. The church needs passion again. And we need fullness. And only God can give that to us. See, right now, more than anything, a scared world needs a fearless church. Our world needs Jesus. Men need Jesus. That's why we need to have a men's Bible study and connect and hang out and grow. And men, they, they, Our families need strong men of God. They're going to be accountable. They're going to walk with God. They're going to be grounded in God's word. We need community. Just this week, I got reached out again by Judge Larson. He said, families are falling apart. They, man, all these challenges are taking place. We need to start three strands ministry again. Pastor Benito, can you do it? Can Freedom Church host it? Can we allow it? I said, yes, we can because our Community needs to be restored to brokenness. We need Jesus. Wouldn't it be like?
thank God that in the midst of a pandemic, that God would be with us and bless us that we would even build our church as a, as a center to the broken and the hurting. When everything is over, that people would come back in. Who knows what God wants to do? I'm just saying he wants to move. See, Anna waited for six decades, and she saw Jesus. And here's my encouragement to you. Just as Jesus came the first time, he's coming the second time. And his closer, his return is closer than you think. Reading the New York Times today is like reading the end times in Daniel and Revelation. I don't know if you noticed this week, but Israel made a peace treaty with the UAE, which was historic. Jesus said, when there's peace, peace. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.3, when people say peace, peace, watch out that the end is near. Jesus talked about the most incredible sign was a fig tree coming back to life, which signified the nation of Israel. Do you realize Israel was the only nation that ever ceased to exist, that came back to existence in 1948. And he says, this little nation will be a sign for all the world, that the world is pregnant with the return of Christ. Scripture talks about a plunge in immorality in the last days. And people say, Pastor B, man, there's always been immorality. And yes, there has. But let me tell you, with the, prolifer with the internet and the proliferation of pornography, you can see they can develop horrible sites in Russia. And your 12-year-old kid can see it today. It's so accessible. It's horrible. And we are seeing the denigration of a society and sexual preferences and manifestations of immorality. Like we have never seen. People are trying to redefine marriage based on what they think of sexuality. Let me just tell you, there's a rise in immorality in our day like we've never seen, and the Bible told about it. David said there would be an increase of travel. Daniel said there would be an increase of travel and wisdom in the last days. Do you realize that before, even in the beginning, 18 people, to get to America, you take a boat. You have to, if I was going to go to Los Angeles, I'd get on a horse, and it would take forever and ever and ever. And I, right now, there's an increase. How amazing. Did we just figure it out that one day we can hop in a plane and be in another part of the world with the internet and the wisdom? No. Let me tell you, Daniel, read Daniel 11 and 12. It says, in the last days, there will be an increase of travel and wisdom. This is what signs are telling us. He's coming back. And we have work to do. Acts 2.11. This is what the writer Luke says. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We have a promise, just like Anna. Jesus is coming again. You might say, Pastor B, they've been saying that since I was a kid. They forced me to watch these left-behind videos. It freaked me out. And I would say, yeah. They've been saying it for a long time, so that just means he's closer. He's still coming back. The first time Jesus came, he wore a crown of thorns. This time, he'll be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The first time he had no place to lay his head, he was born in a manger. This time it says he has mansions to give away. The first time he was the servant of all. This time he will be worshipped of all. The first time he rode a donkey. This time he'll be riding with a white horse and the armies of heaven around him. The first time he came to die. This time he's coming to establish a kingdom that will never die and last forever. That's the promise we have. He's coming again. And just like Anna, let's live with eyes wide open that our promise is on the horizon. There's work to be done. He's a God to be worshipped. And there's a story to tell. church I'm burdened God wants to move in these times he wants to move in your life he wants to move in us but will we see him
Will we open our eyes? Or will we be asleep? I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Just raise your hand and say, Jesus, remove my blind spots. Lord, help me to take my eyes off the wreckage of politics and ideas and what's going on. And let me put my eyes on you because, Lord, that's what my eyes need to be on right now. You. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.